Good morning, everyone. So what we've discovered this morning so far is if you stick around at CCL long enough, you can be part of a lovely video. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching many of you squirm in your seats as you watched yourselves there. Um, but it's, it's brilliant. Um, it's right, this morning we are continuing our series on Hebrews. Um, if you weren't here last week, Becca kicked us off in a fabulous way, doing an overview of the book of Hebrews. Um, if, you've not, if you weren't here and you didn't hear that, I do recommend listening back to it because it gives us just the overall big picture. And one of the things that's really important that we do when we read the Bible is that we zoom out and zoom in. Um, we look at the bigger picture and then we zoom into some of the detail. So today I've got the task of um, Hebrews 1 from verse 4 to chapter 2 verse 5. So before we um, start reading that passage, I just want to ask us a question. Um, I want to ask you if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you um, believe and love him, what is your story? Can you think back to the first time that you said yes to Jesus, that he came into your life? I imagine that is somewhat of a story of hope and joy and transformation. <laughs> We've just heard that um, Alpha was absolutely transformational for, is it Hattie? Yeah, for Hattie. Um, maybe you want to ask Hattie what her story is. But you know, it's important that we hold in mind our own personal stories and walk with Jesus because it's not always easy. Sometimes we go through periods of time as Christians where actually we don't feel very hopeful or joyful and it can feel quite difficult to hold on to that faith that we once found. And really, this is a lot of the context of Hebrews. So the context of the book of Hebrews is that it is a people that are struggling to hold their faith. They're predominantly Jewish Christians, as Becca told us last week. Um, and there was a real temptation for them to turn back to their Judaism. They were perhaps facing some persecution and hostility towards their newfound faith. And this is a point in time where it, it was just not easy to follow Jesus. I wonder how many of us can resonate with that feeling where following Jesus is, um, is not always easy. But it is worth it. It really is worth it. So let's kick off into the passage. If you've got a Bible or a Bible on your phone, feel free to follow along. Um, but we also have it on the screen here. So I'm just going to read this out for us. So from chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. So he became, that's talking about Jesus, much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father, or again... I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice and be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. 
Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Wow, what a mouthful. <laughs> um, so again, you might remember last week, Becca shared with us that this is not the easiest of books in the Bible. It is quite dense, and some of the words are quite confusing. So you might be wondering at this point, why, why are they so bothered about angels? <laughs> what is all of this about angels? Why does that matter? Why does it matter that Jesus is greater than them, that he's superior to them? Well, it really does matter. In fact, it's, it's just an elaborate point that the writer of Hebrews is making to tell us a bit about who Jesus is, to, to encourage them in their faith when they, are, um, when they are not feeling strong, when they are feeling weary and wanting to turn away. He's encouraging them about who Jesus really is. So... I guess in a Jewish context, just to give us a bit more information here, angels were both sons of God and they were mediators of the law. So the law was given to Moses by angels. This is one of the key things here. So what the angels represent is something of the law that was given to Moses, the, the promises of, of God, the promises of the Messiah coming. So in, in this first chunk that is a little confusing, what we see is a number of Old Testament um, passages and references that speak of the Messiah, the Son of God. And really this is to remind the readers that Jesus is the promise, that he is what's been spoken about for many, many years, that he is the one that brings them true salvation. So let's look a little bit closer. So th this first chunk in verse 5 is, is a passage from Psalm 2. Um, and, and it is this that speaks, about, um, that speaks about the Messiah, the ultimate son of David, God's special son. And really what we need to pay attention to here is that Hebrews starts and ends with this belief that Jesus was and is the true Messiah, the King of Israel, that he was everything that they had been waiting for. They had waited for so long for the promise of someone that would save them, and Jesus truly is that. 
And later in this, um, in verse 8 and 9, there's, a, there's another psalm that it references. And this speaks about um, a king that is, that is like godlike in nature um, and a god that longs for real justice. And why is that important? Well, that's important because God's aim of, of forgiving the sins of the people was, was part of this bigger picture of creating a world that had no evil. Can we just imagine that for a minute? <laughs> a world that had no evil. But for this to happen, it can't happen through angels that deliver a law. It needs to come through a true appointed king, the true king. And Jesus is that true king. And Psalm 102, which is the final one that it references here, um, it talks about that kingdom being forever and ever. God's purposes in the law and the prophets that we see in the big story of the Old Testament reaches this climax in the Messiah, in Jesus. Because it is him that will see this new plan of God's salvation and his justice, this new age to come that it speaks about, new heaven and new earth where all things are made new. This in some ways is the promise that they've forgotten, but they're struggling to see because it's quite tempting and quite easy to return to that which is familiar. So I just want to pause here um, and try and help us unpack this a little bit more with a little analogy. Um, <clears throat> so, this is the point in the talk where I make reference to Christmas in October. Absolutely no apologies there. Are there any incredibly organized people here that have already started thinking about Christmas presents? Yes, Ellie, I knew there would be someone and a few in the back here. All the students, wow, I'm so impressed by how organized you are. I am not one of those people. I am the person that thinks about Christmas presents perhaps the week before Christmas. And are there any of you that in really enjoy the process of wrapping Christmas presents? Yes, we have many hands. Rich, Rich instead of Kate, wow. Yes. <laughs> Love that, breaking the stereotypes. It, it can be an incredible... Um, and wonderfully exciting thing, isn't it? The anticipation that we get when we begin to wrap presents, when we think about Christmas. I don't know, if it, does anyone have any traditions that they have when they do Christmas wrapping? Go on, Hattie, you're going to say something. Yeah, there we go. You're all getting excited about Christmas now, aren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it? You put on your favorite Christmas film, you start wrapping your presents, maybe you have hot chocolate or mulled wine or mince pies, whatever it is, and you get yourself into the spirit of Christmas and you're wrapping your lovely presents. And, and it, can be, it can be really fun to make them look beautiful, you know, bows and ribbons and all of these things. So I'm the one that does all the Christmas wrapping in between mine and Mark's families. He's not, I can say this because he's not here today. It's not a particular strength. Um, there, there have been times where I've had to re-wrap presents that he's wrapped. <laughs> um, and I love the, the experience of getting a beautifully wrapped present. And I think we've probably all had that experience before 
where you get given a, a beautifully wrapped present from a family member, let's say your great aunt Susan, and you open that present, and great aunt Susan's bought you the same present she bought you last year. And you feel desperately disappointed because it looked so beautiful. But on the inside, it was just so disappointing. Please tell me I'm not the only one that's had that experience. Yeah, there's some nods. Okay. So, so why am I talking about Christmas presents and wrapping? Well, if you paid close attention to Becca last week, you will know that she did also make reference to this. That th this is the crux of this point in the book of Hebrews, that in saying that Jesus is superior to the angels, that the writer is trying to encourage us that we can't be more excited and more focused on the wrapping than the gift itself. That the law that was given to the Israelites was fulfilled in Jesus. You know, the law was like the, the wrapping. It was, it was the beautiful bows and ribbons. But, but if it stopped there, they would be hugely disappointed with their, with their gift from their great aunt Susan. That wasn't what they were looking for. You know, they, they needed to open that gift and it for it to be the true Messiah, Jesus, that we wouldn't get lost in all of the stuff that covers it. So if Jesus is greater than the angels and he's greater than the law that they brought, that means that these pro this promise of a Messiah, the wrapping paper has to point to something more. It needs to point to a gift. And that's because the law wasn't fixed for all of time, but it was part of God's preparation. He was, he was preparing them in, in speaking through the angels and through the prophets of what would come, of what needed to happen, of, of Jesus that brings true salvation, that brings eternal hope. God's gift itself is in the person of his son, So as this passage sort of moves on, um, it, it, you might see from your handout that one of the, one of the key points is um, in chapter 2, verse, verse 1 to 4. Um, and there's this little phrase that, say, that uses the word therefore. And therefore is going to be a really important word as we go throughout this series. You will see it across the book of Hebrews. Um, and it's... It's a word that's almost like a, a red flag, a signal to say, this is really important, pay attention. The, the main point is coming. And so when they use this phrasing in, in chapter 2, what it means is it's pointing to the fact that the angels were mediators of this covenant of the law, but that's because Jesus proclaims a greater salvation. And the thing about salvation is, on a slight aside, um, many of us, when we think of the, the idea and the concept of salvation, we think of, well, that means that you go to heaven and, and, you know, and all is fine and dandy. And, and that is absolutely part of what it means to be saved. Um, it is to be saved from something and to something. But the interesting word about salvation in, in Greek is the word sozo, and that literally translates saved, healed, delivered. 
And so when we receive Jesus, when we are saved, we are not just saved from something, but we are saved to something. And he has, he has greater for us. The, the promise of salvation is also one of freedom. It's also one of hope. And I think perhaps that might be something that for us to grab a hold on to today, that in, in the continuing receiving of Jesus, that, that we would also be made new and whole, restored, healed, delivered. But for the audience that Hebrews is speaking to, there, there is this encouragement not to turn back. It could be so easy to lose faith when it's hard. But he's saying, look what God has done. Look what he has done throughout history. Look what he promised. He has, he has done the thing that he promised. The Messiah is the gift that you've been waiting for. Don't lose sight of it. Therefore, we must press on. We cannot lose our faith. We must press on. I don't know if you've ever watched a, a child open a present. It's, it's not quite like how I might admire some beautiful wrapping paper. Um, quite quickly, it gets demolished <laughs> because they take one look at a present and go, I know there's something in there that I want and I won't wait for it. I'm looking at Emma because she has a small child and I imagine that's what Barney does when he gets a gift. <laughs> Oh, a dog unwrapping a present. Yeah, I can imagine even more so. Yeah. But in some ways, we need to be childlike in our approach to the gift of Jesus, not distracted by the wrapping, but just desperate to open it to get to the really good stuff. So... There's another sort of aspect to this passage that I just want to sort of think about for a minute. Um, and that's what else do the angels represent? So angels might be something that we don't spend much time thinking about or have much ideas about. Um, I imagine there's probably not many people in this room, if any, that have had an angel appear to them. Um, if you have, please come and talk to me about it because I'd be really interested to hear about it. Um, but the thing about angels is that they are incredibly impressive. They're interesting, they're awe-inspiring, and really they are quite frightening. You know, what we see across the, the Bible is that when angels appear, people tremble. They're in awe. They're like, whoa, this is crazy. And, and in fact, in Revelation, we, we're told that, that John himself, he, um, he was cautioned not to worship the angels because when he saw them, he bowed down to them. That the instant response is, wow, you're amazing. I will bow down to you, you're incredible. And this passage is saying, no, 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 no. The, the angels are not to be worshipped. They're simply servants of God. You know, they, they, are, they worship Jesus themselves. They worship the Messiah. They are ministering servants. 
You know, they, they were brought to guide and protect humans to bring messages of, of God's word or of, or of the law to Moses. They had a purpose, but they were not God themselves. And so there's, there is this caution again to not be preoccupied with the experience of the, the wrapping of the present, the beautiful gift that we have, to, to not be um, enamored with that, but to be enamored with Jesus. Um, and like I say, while, while we may not um, have many experiences of standing face to face with an angel and being tempted to worship them, I suspect there are things in our lives that perhaps have stood in the place of Jesus. And that might even be a, a really powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should, his, his role, his job is to reveal Jesus. And, and when, when our experiences of God becomes an object of worship above God, we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle. Or perhaps it's even something that we, a person that we admire. A gifting or an anointing on a person. You know, some, a, a, a worship song or a worship leader that you, that you find really easy to connect with God when you listen to their songs. <laughs> it's quite challenging and quite convicting in many ways. But the danger is that, that that experience, that thing becomes God himself. And, and the challenge for us is, is that we would look to Jesus. Is that that experience, that encounter by the Spirit or by whatever means would point us to Jesus and nothing else. Or perhaps there's something else that's caught your gaze that's, that's distracting. Sometimes that's even just busyness or you know, the, the thing that is in front of you, the thing that you find yourself putting hope in. What is it that we are worshiping? Who is it that we are worshiping? Because really it is Jesus is the only one that can give us hope and joy and salvation. We might be dissatisfied with what we have and be tempted to, to look elsewhere for what we need. It might be much easier to connect with God in a podcast or a talk or whatever it is but we need to find Jesus for ourselves. And this is really quite challenging. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of that. And this, uh, this book is really challenging. So you might be thinking, okay, great. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for really convicting me. Now what? Well, I want to bring us back to that question that I asked you right at the beginning, which was, what is your story who, who is Jesus to you? Do you remember the first time that you encountered him? Do you remember that joy? 
Do you remember that hope? And the key in many ways is this. To remember, remember, remember. To keep remembering what God has done. So that is, yes, that salvation comes from Jesus and Jesus alone and that our salvation is the the transformation of our hearts as well as the eternal hope that we have. That the wrapping is not the gift itself, but the gift is Jesus. And when the going gets tough and it feels very hard and very difficult to hold our faith, like this letter um, this, you know, to these Jewish Christians that, that we're struggling, that we're tempted to go back to old ways. They were reminded again and again and again, remember what God's done. Remember all the promises throughout the whole story of Scripture, the whole story of, of the Israelites and God, that he, what he had already done and the promised Messiah. This is him. Jesus is it. He's what you've been waiting for. And similarly in our own lives, I think we can ask ourselves the question, what has God already done? What has God already done that we need to remember? What is your story? What was that first moment of joy and life that you found in Jesus? So as I sort of draw to a close here, I, I think there's a, there's a few sort of invitations and responses. Um, first of all, I, I want to give an invitation um, for us all to, to open the gift. But perhaps you've not opened the gift yet before. Perhaps you've never discovered the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation and hope and life. And, and I, I really believe that Jesus wants to meet with you if that is the case. The other response, I think, for us is to ask the question, what is it that we are worshipping? Have we got distracted Are we finding hope in a person or a thing or even an experience of God that has let us drift from him himself, from the person of Jesus? And the third is perhaps you are struggling to hold on to faith. Perhaps you feel quite stuck and to return to old ways, although there might not be the temptation to return to Judaism for many of us, there there may well be a temptation to choose an easier path, one one that doesn't require us to, to stand firm in that hope and faith of salvation. I suspect that God might want to meet you in that. So I'm going to leave it here and hand back to Rich and Kate. Um, But 
let's let's hold in mind those those things.